This is the Love Swimming Podcast, powered by Love Admin's easy-to-use software that reduces your organization's admin and increases its income. Find out more at www.loveadmin.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Love Swimming Podcast. It's me, Clive Marquis, again. And this week, I have Claudia Clements, the co-lead of the Senior National Squad. Um, so yeah, this week we want to talk about, um, Claudia wants to talk about coach welfare and also the main development of changing from amateur swim clubs into more professional organisations, which I think is a massive key point in this. So Claudia, welcome to the uh, podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so yeah, we'll start off with the basics as we always do, like who are you, where are you from, coach at Guildford, bits like that, and just tell everyone about you. Yeah, so um, I suppose my swimming career started, I was a swimmer myself, um, originally from South Dorset area in Weymouth, but ended up getting a scholarship um, to Plymouth College when I was 12. So I swam at Plymouth all the way through school, um, finished in sixth form, managed to make Junior Olympics. I made um, world schools and things like that, medaled there um, and won some national titles as well, which was great. And then finished it at Plymouth, moved across to Loughborough Uni, where I managed to make another team that went over to Canada. So um, that was pretty exciting. Um, and then kind of left the world of swimming completely and ended up doing this Girls for Gold programme, which was um, basically finding girls to do all the random sports for London 2012 that no one really took part in because you get a free place when you're the host nation. Um, so I went into flat water kayaking, which is pretty cool. Um, train with the British team but then actually turned out I wasn't that great because I kept falling in all the time <laughs> but it was still good to go and experience another kind of setup in um, and see how other elite sports work and it's a lot more crossover training rather than just pool and gym which is what we tend to do in swimming it was interesting because you do all the erg work you're on the water you go swimming running so it's good to be able to have that experience from a different sport as well um and then after that, I went into coaching. So I ended up going back to Plymouth where I kind of started, um, ran the um, the potential squad there, which is kind of your regional squad, um, and managed to create quite a few national swimmers out of that squad. Um, and then ended up going to Portsmouth for a bit. Um, so I spent two years at Portsmouth. Um, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, where we managed, met. <laughs> yeah that's where we met um got some great results uh, most improved club my first year there and then we had a few national titles in the second year and then decided to make the move to Guildford so I've been there for two years now um and probably the happiest I've been in coaching which is great <laughs> I was gonna say, Guildford. that's my life story <laughs> yeah Guildford's an absolutely incredible club to be fair like yeah. the standard of Guildford is yeah, <laughs> sorry, much to say about it. It's just really good. If ever you get anyone gets the opportunity to go and swim at Guildford, take it definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, right. So, um, well, as I said, we we want to talk about sort of like coach welfare because that's a really important aspect that you find. Um, so, simple terms, tell us what is coach welfare and why is it really important in this day and age? I think people are a lot more open and aware of uh, mental health. And um, certainly there are more things in place to be able to care for our coaches. Um, but I think we're also really lagging behind as well. And it's coach welfare is not so much about 
just the mental health. It's about having a support system around you, being able to have um, people that just have your back, really, and have clubs that are supportive and um, just knowing that, yeah, no matter what, you you feel safe within your role that um, if anything happens, which we know in life, a lot of things happen and you have disagreements with people and being able to have certain things in place to be able to make sure that you're protected as a coach. Yeah, no, I can see that. It's a really valid point because um, yeah. at all levels of coaching, there's points where you need to to be able to fully enhance yourself and be able to put, fully put yourself mm-hmm. in the athlete's development. You need to have mm-hmm. make, you're not worried about looking behind your back all the time and this and that. Yeah, I fully get that. And I think when you're at a local club, you almost feel a little bit isolated because you don't have that network of coaches that you see at these big competitions all the time. So you may not have been on camps and courses and, and things like that. So I think definitely when you're at that local club level and the community club, everyone gets the same issues, like you say, no matter whether you're a British coach or you coach learn to swim, you're always going to have difficult situations where you just need that extra bit of support and help. Um, and I think it's important to realise that, you know, everyone has those problems. I think yeah. uh, I'm part of this British Swimming Initiative, getting women into coaching. And we meet up every six months or so and just have a big Zoom workshop. And they have some of the elite coaches come and chat to us. And we had Mel Marshall come and chat. And even someone like Mel Marshall has still gone through everything we've gone through with difficult parents. You have people screaming in your faces. And, you know, it. I think sometimes people can forget that we're people as well, like we have feelings and that um, I know myself, definitely I'm an overthinker. So when I have had those hard uh, situations, I've, I go back home and it's on my mind all the time. And if I don't have that outlet to be able to talk to someone, which I haven't always had, it really does play on your mind and it, it affects everything. It affects not only your coaching, but your home life and, and so that's why I think it's really important that people start speaking to each other. And, you know, I've had um, times where I've been on, uh, on poolside at competitions and I talk to another coach and it's like, oh, you're going through the same thing. You've got a difficult parent and you're doing this. And how have you dealt with it? And um, I think it's just people aren't hiding it so much anymore, whereas before it was almost seen as a bit of a weakness if you couldn't just deal with it. But yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 fully, <laughs> I fully understand what you're getting at, actually, because I mm. think um, it's a way to back in. The, I, I spoke about this yesterday on um, in the Facebook group. Remember to go and follow the Facebook group. <laughs> in there. Yeah. But um, it was. Um, I should, did you read about the USC coach J- Jeremy Kip um, with his like swimmers having to go in for abusive behaviour and bits like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, now though people say oh yeah but he's just an aggressive character and it's good that I still think sits in that coach welfare area because that's an area where we obviously he's not he's not happy with something something's not going great and he's bashing out in that way um so it's kind of like we need to be able to create these support systems because a guy need a guy obviously needs some form of help and support to be able to make him through and it shows that even at the highest level or the lowest level they still need that kind of like that help is still needed like he's he's producing olympians if you know what i mean and he's mm-hmm. obviously he still needs that support so we're not saying that someone down at your local little village club is the only guy who's going to need help like all the way at the top like you're saying mm-hmm. still there 
Yeah, and I think it's so important to create those coach networks. And you've got it on that bigger scale where a lot of coaches just know each other anyway, just around the circuit. But um, it's for those local clubs to realise that there are local networks for them as well. You've got county coach networks, you've got the regional forums. Um, so you get a lot of coaches. I think um, eight to ten coaches, I can't remember the exact number. Um, and it tends on this regional forum and they're there for advice. They're there if you've got any queries, questions. Um, so no matter what you think, whether it's big, little, whatever, you have got people there that you can go to to get help and advice and, and just have an ear for yeah. someone to listen to you. And um, I know for me in the past, that's been the biggest thing is just being able to talk to someone because I've got my husband at home. But he hasn't got a clue about swimming and he doesn't really <laughs> care much about swimming either. But um, it's just having that other person in your swimming bubble um, that that just knows what you're going through and yeah. you can talk to them. No, I, I, I agree. Like, um, this is such a key point um, to have that mm. kind of bubble because as we've all um, said, talking about these kind of problems is the best way to sort them out. Am I right in saying also... Um, Matt Brooks is the psychologist, sports psychologist at Guildford as well. Um, I think he's in the process of trying to help out, but because of COVID and stuff, we haven't managed to quite get that in place yet. But um, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I may have jumped the gun there. <laughs> I may have jumped the gun. <laughs> I apologise, Guildford. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was going to say, um, other, other teams out there as well, um, like Loughborough, Bath, um, lots have sort of like a psychologist in place to help support not only swimmers but coaches as well the the um, committees or the management staff or whatever of going on how the clubs run um which i think is a massive improvement actually because it's an area of women's swimming that people didn't used to um look at and now they are and it's obvious that that's a massive step forward yeah definitely i mean every club has to have a welfare officer anyway so mm. you've got them to turn to no matter what and um, again, that's for the swimmers, the staff, the parents, no matter who you are, that welfare officer is there for you, um, no matter what the issue. But like you say, a lot of teams do have psychologists that work alongside their squads. It tends to be um, just the national squads, which is a shame because obviously money and things like that. Yeah. Um, but with, with Guildford as well in the past, we've got such close link with university being they've been able to access help through that especially the sports scholars at the university and um, they can get help whenever they need it yeah sorry you um, you went out <laughs> the internet was a little bit poor um but you were saying you, you have really good links with the university um to be able to get surrey university you, you also run the surrey university swim group within guildford don't you There's yeah so guildford like, is yeah guildford you've got your british swimming national centers which you your Bath, Loughborough, Sterling, so that's you guys that are on funding. Um, and then you've got another group of universities that are part of the Swim England National Centres, um, and that's what Guildford is with the University of Surrey. So um, it just means that you're not on funding, but they still see you as a real like hope for making teams potentially, you're just not quite on that level of um, the British swimming funding yet. Yeah. Um, so with the university like Surrey and um, you do get all the scholarship 
help that goes with it so yeah, um, yeah you get that little bit extra compared to just going to a, a standard uni that has a swim team um so yeah it's a great setup no yeah definitely it's something that if all, all swimming clubs close to university should be looking in to try and get like acquire that kind of thing yeah. but as you said yeah that means you get a lot more access to the university's help support because universities are a massive pool of knowledge and technology and bits and it's something that everyone needs to be tapping into really and especially you guys down in Portsmouth you've got one of these endless pools and they actually work specifically with swimming so uh yeah, yeah no exactly um, yeah I, I heard they had like a campaign <laughs> down there a couple of um years ago so I was like um... yeah. <laughs> but yeah um so Another thing we want to talk about is um, swimming is changing in this country uh, mm -hmm. and we are starting to, which I've been hope, trying to do like talk about for ages, is swimming slowly starting to change more into a US style system where swimming clubs are run. Um, so mm -hmm. this country has been known for amateur swimming, if you know what I mean. Everything's amateur. Clubs are run mm -hmm. by your mums and dads and it's amateur. And it's time for us to switch more mm -hmm. how the US are running it and turning them into businesses. Now we're not saying here that they're running around making millions and guy at the tops earning that super packet. They're still non non for profit businesses, but they're run in a business environment. Which um, best way to do it is the best way to make money is to create performance because performance creates money, and then mm -hmm. that is a force to drive the um, drive performance forward. But also it allows coaches and support staff to be able to do their jobs. They don't have to worry about um, liaisoning with um, people who are running a swimming club who, quite frankly, haven't got a bloody clue what they're doing. <laughs> they ain't got a clue what they're, <laughs> what, what's going on, if you know what I mean. Which is like, I, as much as we have said, we're very thankful for committees to help out and bits like that because they do a sterling job. But we all, even committees, will say that that they don't they don't know swimming, and you wouldn't ask a um, a CEO of a business. To go into the cosmetic industry if they're um, a tennis player or something like that like, yeah. something like that. They, they don't know they don't know the market <laughs> and the people who know the market are the coaches so why wouldn't the coach mm -hmm. have a bigger stake in swimming so and this is something that you're really passionate about and um i think it's a really big topic that we need to talk about yeah definitely i think so and even from when i started at my local little swimming club in weymouth um the the dynamic of swimming clubs has completely changed like swimming coaches back in the day were generally school teachers PE teachers and then did swimming coaching on the side of it because it wasn't a full-time job back then and that's what 20 years ago I'm showing my age a bit now but um <laughs> yeah so it's 20 25 years ago it was a part-time job and you did it on the side to just make a bit of extra money whereas now swimming coaching is a professional job we are full-time swimming coaches most head coaches are on a full-time wage which was unheard of 20 odd years ago and um, and I think because it's become a bit more professional in terms of employment we've got to make the way in which clubs have run more professional as well so it as you say you clubs are run with committees which you know 90% of clubs are run very, very well. But I think we're just hearing too often now that you have inexperienced committee members step in. And quite often it's because other people won't step forward. People 
people that do have full-time jobs and they've got two or three kids they don't have time to be able to to step into that it is effectively a full-time role to run a swimming club um so I understand why we get people like that in those roles but they also have their own reasons for doing it quite often it can be because <laughs> they want to create a situation for their own child or something like that um, and like I said most people do it really well but there are situations where you could have a coach which has been coaching for 30 40 years produced incredible talent and just is well respected within the coaching community and then all of a sudden you get one person on a committee which can poison everyone towards that coach and that coach ends up getting pushed out. So all of those years of coaching, all the work they've done, results, we've got to have more things in place to be able to protect that coach because they can come up with any kind of reason to get rid of you, really. And, and they can. And, and that's what I think is so wrong. It's, all right, you might have a welfare concern. And, and again, that happens. There are genuine welfare concerns that need to get reported. But there are also some that are just ridiculous that I've heard. Um, and they use that. They have their own personal vendetta against the coach. And then it just blows out of proportion. And they end up either leaving or getting the sack or whatever. And, and I think it's such a shame. And, and that's where that professionalism needs to come into play. Because our coaches are professional. But why is it our committees that are effectively their bosses have no experience, no qualifications, and really have no business being in charge of those types of people. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really passionate about that, that something needs to change. We need to be able to have a much more stringent setup with our clubs um, and make them more coach-led, which unfortunately doesn't happen in a lot of cases. No, I, I fully agree with you, actually. It's, it's very difficult to say because as but we're all very thankful for people stepping up to the mark and helping because mm. without without support without these people clubs wouldn't run um mm -hmm. but i also believe just like you it's time for things to change if you know what i mean um swimming mm -hmm. in itself in this country is um i think has, is very disproportionate in the sense of the top end is great top end is great mm -hmm. but then the lower end is not there there's there's a massive gap mm -hmm. between the top end and the lower end um and if we look at places like America. Yes, America's huge. There's a huge population in swimming. Um, but if you look at how clubs are structured out there, it's completely polar opposite to how we do it out here. And mm. it's turning, turning our swim clubs into businesses and turn them into areas where coaches are feel like they're employees and um, mm. not sort of like they're treated as employees. They're treated the same way they would be if they went and worked down the office, if you know what I mean. It's the same mm -hmm. topic of that. And then in having that, you need the people in the positions of um, the committee or whether you set up a chair board or whatever, um, who understand the dynamics of a club and understand the dynamics of business to be able to mm -hmm. put a club forward. Because for a club to be able to produce great athletes, there's more to it than just writing a great set on the board. Mm -hmm. um, there's you've got to create great environments but then you've also got to learn how to expand a club like clubs need to have money to be able to pay to fund athletes to be able to develop so you need to expand the clubs you need to understand the business of growing growing a business and bits like that and sometimes 
your local school PTA doesn't quite have the, uh, you know, the advancement to be able to do that. Um, yeah. And maybe it's the way that we should be looking at actually um, Swim England, British Swimming should have courses to um, get committees to go on so they can learn skills to be able to develop clubs or learn skills to um, better manage employees and bits like mm -hmm. that because that that would be a great move and that would also help with because um, I understand swimming clubs sometimes are set up easily through um, what they call a um, they call them like community clubs or at, um, mm -hmm. members clubs that's how swimming England likes to write on their constitution where every member is part of the club and that's how it all runs is like a voting system it's the, the standard way swimming mm -hmm. clubs run um, which is the easiest way to set up but as we've been talking about is members don't always have those business skills to be able to progress clubs forward and progressing clubs forward is what we need to do in order to create athletes moving forward in that sense definitely and I, th I think that's where you know like I said before they they get involved because their child is part of that club which is great but then sometimes it, they can slip into that well what's going to be best for my child not necessarily necessarily um what's best for the club as a whole what's best for the members and and that's where it, the waters can get a bit murky sometimes and it doesn't always create that best environment. No, I, I agree. And sometimes I actually prefer it when, um, which some people um, question this, but if committees or people like that don't actually have anyone in the club at all um, and they're just solely on their own, um, I, I run a swimming club and I don't train at that swimming yeah. club. But um, it means that it clears my head a little bit so I can make the right mm -hmm. decisions to move forward. If I, if I trained at that club, um, the club would be on 20 hours a week, um, like <laughs> the whole lot, and it would die within a month because we run out of money. <laughs> like, but having that, stepping out, looking at everyone, looking at all of the groups, because then you can see every single group within the team and you can go, right, well, they need this, they need this, they need this. We've got this much money. We can put it into yeah. place in the right way. And you turn more into a business. You're less emotionally attached to it. It's a business mindset mm. and you can put things you need in place to be able to better advance. First of all, to help your members because the members want it. Like the members mm. want the help they need. And just, I, I feel sometimes being detached from it gives a better yeah. um, result in the end. Yeah, I think definitely that's kind of the right line but I think with some of these clubs that have been around for a hundred years you get some not saying there's a hundred year old people on these committees but <laughs> you get people who um their children were perhaps part of the club when it was its heyday sort of thing mm. um you've got we used to have a lot of successful clubs whereas now the kind of um I can't think of the word, but the, the way that swimming is laid out now is you have these national centres and then you've got these big boarding schools and they're kind of the most successful programmes at the moment. You've got some big successful clubs like Guildford, um, but you haven't quite got so many um, just hub clubs, which we had back in the day, like each yeah. county would almost have one really strong club that any national swimmer in that county would kind of come towards. And I think when it comes to committee members, some of the parents, if they haven't got a child that swims anymore, will remember those days. And they're not necessarily up to date with what the world of swimming looks like nowadays. Yes. Um, so although I agree with you that you almost need that detachment, I think you're also in danger of having people that live in the past <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and they can't always see the way forward and that 
you know, these clubs that perhaps were these big hub clubs, they now need to almost become a feeder club to these um uh, the university programs effectively because that's kind of the way we're going a bit like America as you say that it's the universities which is where the successes happen and and stuff so um, yeah I think you almost need a mixture of the two you need people that then, yeah, yeah exactly yeah no I get you I think it's a bit like FINA really isn't it yeah <laughs> don't get me started on FINA but <laughs> But yeah, I, I, no, I, I agree with you in that sense. Yeah, you don't want anyone who's stuck back in the dark ages, to be honest. Mm-hmm. That That's a whole nother level. And that also fills into coaching and bits like that because things have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you want some, yeah, okay, yeah. You want someone who knows what's going on now. But then, mm-hmm. I, I, as you were saying, that kind of detachment is also sometimes really helpful. Um, yeah. Also make sure that they're not, in another level, not too far detached. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, no, I, I I agree with you, and it's um, it's a really important kind of like um point there, and this moves us on quite nicely to actually talk a bit more about Guildford, um, because mm-hmm. Guildford's just had a change, um, mm-hmm. and Guildford is now probably I would say one of the one of the few clubs in the UK that almost mirrors most of the swimming clubs out in the US and how it's rechanged its structure completely, um, mm-hmm. and it looks far more like a business now far mm-hmm. more um professional and like simply sim- it reminds me of what <laughs> I was set up the same way <laughs> it was like a board of trustees almost and then moon mm-hmm. down like but yeah go on so you tell us about Gu- the new Guildford as we could call it yeah so um at Guildford it it's slightly different in that we've got our committee but we call them the board um and that's you know your your treasurer your chairman people like that so it's a similar setup to most clubs but we look for people that are experienced in those areas Um, and then from the board sits the management team so the management team is made up of um the director of swimming which is Richard Garfield we've got uh Lee Spinlow which is our um head of performance we've also got Jan head of academy but we've also got um our head of HR we've got our welfare officer membership officer so we've got people that can look at each aspect of the club so you do it's very easy I'll admit it from when I was at Portsmouth you do get quite performance driven which is right because you want to get the results but the great thing with the management team at Guildford is that because you've got the head of academy in there, you've also got the welfare and the HR and people, it kind of brings you back down to earth and you look at the club as a whole. So you're thinking more about the participation side of the club as well as the performance. And you can't just run away with this idea of performance all the time. It's, it kind of grounds them, I think, to be able to just think, hang on a minute, we've got to think about our members as a whole and what can we do? What, how can we grow the club? How can we change the program what's best for the members and and things like that so you've got your board you've got your um, your management team and then you've got all the coaches that sit underneath it um and that support system is just nothing like i've experienced before um i know for me no matter what happens i know that i've got people backing me up at every different situation every scenario and that if I've got my own welfare issues and I just need to talk to someone there's someone I can go and talk to or if I've got a difficult parent or a difficult swimmer it's you always feel like if you can't speak to that person you can speak to another person on the management board or you can then go to 
the top board or like there's there's so many different links within the club and it just feels like a much more professional setup compared to where I've been before yeah no I I can I agree with that it sounds so much more fluid and kind of like Mm. dynamic in itself Um, but also so much more um professionally controlled if you know what I mean yeah yeah am I right in saying the people making the decisions are more on the management board and then they go up yeah so yeah so it tends to be that the management are the ones that think up everything and if they want to bring a new swimming pool on board um so for instance I work at Charterhouse School as well um and we've managed to get some water time at Charterhouse for the club so I took the idea to Richard he then shared it with the management board. They've worked out if the club can afford it, if we need the water time and um, how the club can run. Um, and they kind of figured that actually this is going to benefit the club. We can help out um, create an extra squad, which is great. Um, and then they take that to the board and say, look, we've done all our homework. This is how it's going to work. And then the board just say yes or no. And, and that's kind of how it needs to be. Let all the coaches and everyone do their job. And then the board is there to just kind of say, yes, you can do it. That's great. We agree with you. Or no, that's not going like that. And, and that's where Guildford is so different, that it is such a coach-led programme. Um, and that is what I think most clubs need to become. I think you'll struggle with a smaller club to be able to have that volume because you're not going to have that many staff members and things. But certainly for clubs that create a good amount of national level summers or say they have 10 national summers and maybe 20 or 30 regional summers I think that's definitely kind of a setup that a lot of clubs need to try and achieve yeah no I I fully agree with you and I think that setup in itself will lead to performance anyway I mean Mm -hmm. it's great anyway in what it does Um, but yeah it's I I feel like having that as you said coach led they're, Mm -hmm. they're the guys in the know like they're the guys who you know what to do to progress forward. So why not? Shouldn't they be the ones making that decisions to move it forward? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, yeah, and it if you've got happy coaches, you're going to have happy summers, and you're going to get the results, aren't you? So happy also coaches and happy swimmers make fast. <laughs> Sim- simple motto, but it's true. Happy swimmers are fast swimmers. Exactly. <laughs> no, it, I, I think personally, it's something that we all need to be driving for like professional mm-hmm. swimming is something that it, it has been achieved outside of this country but this country's I think lags behind a bit um, that's my personal opinion I'm damn sure someone down the road yeah I mean, we're kind of in limbo at the moment we're professional yeah. in the sense that um we've got a performance environment for our swimmers and we've got paid coaches but anything above that is not professional and I think a big part of it is because clubs are charities and I think perhaps that's where we're struggling to be able to make that change, that jump into that professional side. Um, But what I was excited to hear recently, um, it's not just swimming. This happens in every sport. Every sport has to be run by a committee um, that runs at a local level. Um, And it's really interesting to know that actually things are in place where people are trying to go to government now to be able to change the way that these sports clubs are run because since that introduction of lottery funding sport has completely changed in this country it's it's a different setup completely and I think 
that's kind of the next process is to be able to allow these clubs to have a much more professional setup. So I think it's it's definitely going to be one to watch and see if anything can happen. Over, it's not going to happen straight away, but <laughs> it's nice to know that there are people working in the background to try and change this. And and if all the sports across the country are in that same situation, then I like to think that at some point in the future that it we, we will see that change, which is great. No, I, I fully agree. And I also think this links quite nicely into um, professional swimming as a swimmer, if you know what I mean. Like, um, mm. The ISL is moving on. It's starting to create professional swimming. But if you look at, I think, wouldn't it be amazing if swimming was like football, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. at every level. Um, but that's quite achievable. That's more achievable to happen if swimming clubs are professionally run and as businesses. Mm-hmm. Because um, the whole, as I said, just in being able to produce um, athletes and bits like that is great, but you need the money to be able to do that. And if mm-hmm. we look at in America, um, again, um, is swimming clubs out there are still that non-for-profit swimming clubs, but they're making a huge amount more money to be reinvested back into the team. But you also mm-hmm. find that athletes, they will bring athletes on and have paid athletes swimming with them. Um, mm-hmm. They are paying a portion of them their training for for advertising purposes, marketing purposes, bits like this, mm-hmm. and be able to represent themselves at national level competitions, wherein, like the Mission Diego swimming hat, if you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. that Sam Pipes in Nevada, a famous one for Blake Peroni and Cody Miller, like mm-hmm. they're paying those athletes to wear their swimming hats. And yeah. isn't that something that we should be pushing for, if you know what I mean? Wouldn't it be great if Guildford paid their top swimmers to turn up at national championships? or something like that, or Portsmouth paid for um, <laughs> me to turn up to a swim. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, I feel like if sw- everyone wants swimming to go professional in this country, it would be great. Mm-hmm. And we, to progress that, we need to also look more at a local level to be able to do that mm-hmm. as well. Because there's no, yes, we could look at that international level, but there's a point where that's not going to trickle down. And we need to start at the bottom to move up, I think, as well. Definitely. And I think it would also help with being able to retain swimmers in the sport as well, because you find a lot of the time they finish university and they're not on funding or anything like that. The parents are saying, right, you know, you finished uni, you get a job, you've got to pay for your swimming now. And swimming fees are they're double the price of when I used to swim now. And um, it's not a cheap sport. It's not... Um, it used to be you go to your local swimming pool, you learn how to swim, you kind of work your way up. And and it's not like that anymore. It's, it is becoming a more elitist sport because you're paying over £100 a month for membership fees. You're paying, you know, up to £400 for a race suit, which only lasts for a few races anyway. Yeah. A week away at nationals is going to cost you close to £1,000 if you include travel, hotels. Um, so you know, your your kind of average families are going to struggle to pay for that sort of thing. So I think for us to take that next step in swimming, we definitely need to look at that kind of professional side of it, because I think it's going to help us keep people in sport. And think of how many families get into football and their child at the age of 10 years old potentially is supporting their family almost, which, okay, is not a great situation to be in because that can lead to other problems. But, you know, it's, just looking at that side of things that it does help to those swimmers that may not otherwise be able to afford that sort of thing because their parents don't earn enough or anything like that it just means that um it opens up more opportunities for them and you can keep them in the sport 
So, um, and again, they finish uni, they can become elite and, and they can compete and they might quit swimming, but yet be fourth or fifth best in the country, which is a shame yeah. um, because you don't want to lose those people. They could still potentially make a team, make a relay team. But if they get that additional monetary help, then it's just going to benefit everyone. It benefits the club, the country, if they make a team and the swimmer and their family themselves. So, yeah, I think it's definitely something we need to start looking at. Um, and I'd like to think in my lifetime, it will become a lot more professional anyway. So, um, yeah. but I don't think it will happen anytime soon. I think we'll start to see people getting paid a bit more in terms of ISL. And it'd be great if we could almost do our own British version of the ISL. Yeah. Um, and that can help out those senior summers. But I think in terms of clubs paying their summers, there aren't, I don't think many clubs could afford that right now. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. Like, wouldn't it be great if um, Arena League was a professional league? Like, yeah. That would be that would be the dream, wouldn't it? Except for the 10-year-old down the bottom wouldn't yeah. understand what to do with 10 quid. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. No. in swimming, so yeah. <laughs> it'll pay for a Fine, trip. Well. You go. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I think the next step this country needs to make is to start progressing in the professional market of swimming and turn it mm -hmm. into well turn it into a market i know it's i know it's a very capitalist thing to say but it's it's mm. the only way i think we would see more progression in performance and retention mm -hmm. of swimming is turning that into it definitely yeah well thank you very much claudia for coming on it's been a great chat um, <laughs> thanks for having me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i, I think it's the subject you brought up because it was your subject you want to bring up I, it's a great subject um and it's something that definitely is going to change this country as we progress so yeah, yeah and i think we yeah we just need to be more open to take care of our coaches as well as our athletes and yeah i think things are changing but we can do more to change it <laughs> yes definitely like we don't have to do what got at the moment we can keep going like push for, push for greatness exactly definitely well thank you very much and remember guys if you cool. want to listen um, more you can listen to us on spotify and all other podcast platforms if you want to continue the conversation uh, go on the love swimming facebook group and uh, join that it's a really good uh, group i'll posting daily on there and you'll be able to continue all conversations about swimming and this like that so uh, once again thank you very much claudia for coming on and see you guys next week thank you